Use original detail in your writing. Life is so rich. If you can write down the real details of the way things were and are, you hardly need anything else. Natalie Goldberg. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. Today's question is one that I saw a couple of different times on the forums, and so I wanted to bring it up here, mostly because we don't have a specific series that it's fallen into in other ways, and it definitely is something that we can address. The question is, how do I get more sensory details involved in my writing? I'm a big fan of this question because we've briefly glanced over the topic in the past, talked about how details immerse the reader. Without those sensory details, the sights, the smells, the tastes, the feel, then the reader feels disconnected from the book and from the story. The first thing we want to impress upon you is... Getting more sensory details involved doesn't mean you're adding words. There is an element of quality over quantity that you can make these details pop instead of just flooding the reader with more. Don't go full Tolkien. There are a couple of ways to make it memorable to your audience so that you don't have to keep adding on to it. One of the best ways to make a sensory detail memorable is to make it comedic in some way, especially if you're describing NPCs that really aren't going to play much of a big role in the story. Having some comedic nickname to describe them will help your readers connect without wasting a lot of words. Another way to make it memorable is to use a metaphor. Instead of saying she wiped both of her hands from left to right across her vision, her arms move like windshield wipers. The other thing to do is make sure that you are picking whichever sensory detail is most important to the character in the moment. Are they really hungry and stepping into a crowded tavern? The first thing they're going to notice is probably going to be food related. They're going to smell whatever chili or soup is cooking over the fire, or they're going to feel the rumble in their stomach. And I'm just going to point out real quick, all three of these, making it comedic, using a metaphor, and making a single poignant detail are great opportunities to flesh out your point of view character's voice. So once you decide the types of things, the quality over the quantity, you need to figure out what your audience will automatically imagine about a place or a thing. So it's a lot less interesting as a reader to go, The place smelled like coffee. I could hear coffee grinding. There were short tables with teens wrapped around them. These are all things that automatically come to mind for your reader when you say coffee shop. Therefore, focus on the unique things in the coffee shop that the reader wouldn't automatically have come to their imagination. It's very easy to imagine and describe the ordinary It's your job as a storyteller to tell us what's not ordinary about the scene, what stands out to your point of view character, what the reader isn't automatically picturing in their head as you say a simple description of the location. In order to decide what details you want to focus on, you can use a method that's actually used a lot for people experiencing high levels of anxiety that helps ground them in the moment. 
and it's the 54321 method. Five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. I'm going to point out, do not put all 15 of these in one paragraph. Spread them out across at least the scene, if not the chapter. And I feel like that five is that five because we as human beings, for the most part, rely on sight first. So this is an easy one to fill, even though it's our highest number, because as we're imagining the scene, a lot of us will imagine what it would look like if a Hollywood produced it. The thing that makes a good writer, though, is going beyond just the sight. That's why we wanted to get into the four things that you can touch. This can be either a texture or a temperature, and it can pair well with something your character sees. So say they walk into a fabric shop, they're assaulted by a bunch of different fabrics, but then they start to touch the differences in the textures. They find a very silky one, they find a furry one. And you can start to go into how they're experiencing what they're seeing. The three is the three things you can hear. This tends to be the second of the senses that we as humans rely on, which is why it's the other thing that Hollywood does. But keep in mind that because there's noise doesn't necessarily mean that your character is conscious of hearing it. Our minds automatically filter out a lot of irrelevant sounds. Because if we were to listen to everything that we can hear, we would go mad. This is also great for explaining what's behind or not in your main character's direct line of sight. You can say a lot more of what's happening on a wide scope instead of the focused scope that comes with sight. So after hearing, you go into the two things that you can smell. And I think this one and the next are the two most neglected senses for authors. But smell is so connected to memory that it's important to remind people of that. I find that I will either use smell in one of two ways. One, a certain character smells a certain way. Certain people can be identified by how they smell before you hear or see them. Any of you out there who write romance, please, please stop saying that your love interests smell like sunshine and good thoughts on a warm day. Those don't smell like anything. If you're going to describe smells, at least let it smell like something. The other thing I use smell for is anticipating a new setting. If my character is traveling from the meadows to the forest or getting closer to the coast, the air smells different before we get to the new setting. This is a great way to show movement with your character in a way that you might not have anticipated initially. And the final thing is one thing that you can taste. There aren't often opportunities to integrate taste into writing unless they sit down and have a meal. But when you get that chance, you can really lean into it. This is also great for getting your reader to think about your book when they're not reading the book. Your main character just had grilled cheese and tomato soup. Your reader is imagining that because they've experienced it and they're like, ooh, that sounds good. Next time they make grilled cheese, they're thinking about your book. I also want to remind you that taste doesn't always just have to be when they're eating something. There are some smells so strong you can taste them. And vomit 
If your character gets sickened by something they see, vomit's a great taste. Yep. Now, I do have a confession to make. When I am paying attention to the sensory details in my story, it's almost never during that first draft. It's when I'm going back and going, okay, I knew what I meant here. Now is a good opportunity to dive in and make it real to the reader. This is definitely one of those things that you don't need it in your first draft, but you can add it later. When you're editing, look for things that you describe the sight of and see if you can replace it with a different sense. So your character wakes up and they see the treetops above them. Okay, sight, cool. We can kind of get that. Before they're even able to open their eyes, they're hearing critters on the ground. They're smelling the pine around them. They're feeling the texture of the dirt and the bark and the pine needles that they're laying in. And then they open their eyes and see the treetops. And your reader is a thousand percent more invested in whatever's happening in that exact moment. But be careful to not bog it down by adding more than is necessary. Like we've said before, we suggest only having one or two sensory details in any given paragraph. You don't need a lot for it to become alive. You just need variety. I would also say, except for the very beginning of a scene, be careful about the types of things that you introduce. If in the middle of the scene, your character recognizes that the air conditioning is on. That seems like a weird thing to integrate then. If the air conditioning kicks on and we hear it kick on, that's new to the character. That's something that we can step into and welcome as an addition to the scene. So if there are new details to add, it needs to be new to the character. And the final thing to make sure as you're editing is that you're prioritizing the details. In a murder mystery, the number of people in the room where the person gets murdered is by far more important than the color of flowers painted on the vase, unless there happens to be blood splatter on that vase. I do see people overindulge in creating those sensory details. Tolkien! (laughs) (laughs) And it becomes a lot of extra work for your readers to try to keep track of it all especially if you're in that editing phase and you've traded out sites for other senses, you're still feeling like there's too much happening without the reader being as immersed. Figure out which details are most important to the characters and the readers, and you can eliminate some of the others. If they're important later, you can bring it up later. Getting more sensory details involved just takes putting the right ones in and making sure you're not relying solely on sight. You have four other senses. Some people would say six or seven other senses. But all of this is just a way for you to help immerse your readers. And the best way to immerse any reader into a story is to write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 